Welcome to Fifth in Mission. I'm Dominic Fercasa. 2020 is behind us, but the global pandemic that's upended our lives and defined the past year is far from done. As we take stock of the year that was, what's in store for us in the first weeks and months of the new year? Chronicle staff writer Erin Alday joins me now, and she's brought her crystal ball with her. Hi, Erin. Hi, Dom. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So first of all, at least for me, when images and stories started emerging of the first people receiving coronavirus vaccines, it, it felt as like it felt as if 2020 had turned some kind of a corner. So my first question, Aaron, how was the vaccine rollout going at the end of 2020? And what should we expect at the start of the new year? Yeah, so I think that like you, when I saw those first vaccines, it did it did feel very much like we turned a corner. And I will say that's that's accurate. That's a totally fair response, and it's true. Um, you know, it that was a really remarkable moment. It is. I, it cannot be overstated how impressive it is that we got a vaccine into people um, this quickly, like within you know within one year, less than one year of this this virus even being discovered in humans. So I just kind of want to start it off by saying that that's just remarkable. But I will say that that the rollout so far has been kind of disappointing, um, maybe more than kind of disappointing. Um, it's gone slower than we would have liked. Um, we've had a lot of kind of fumbling, a lot of just, um, you know, weird sort of unexpected mistakes along the way, um, you know, un- not enough doses being sent out, um, sort of the right kind of the, the wrong people getting them or kind of the the, the pacing of the, of the doses and, and who they're given to just being kind of oddly handled. Um, and we're seeing it happening like that in pretty much like all over the state in the Bay Area, kind of all over the country. It's just been kind of you know, kind of sloppy. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And some of that is understandable in the sense that, you know, our, our public health departments and our hospitals and all these kind of, you know, agencies are being asked to give out to, to do this, this huge immunization campaign to launch it while they're also battling this huge surge, right? Like, so they're kind of, they've, they've already got their hands full and now they have to handle this, this, you know, whole other kind of part of the pandemic. So I think that that's, you know, some of that's very understandable. And I think that people are trying to be patient. Um, that's where we're having the governor, Governor Newsom, telling people, you know, to kind of be patient that this is this is going to happen. It's um, it is taking place. But, you know, there's also just been some some missteps that are frankly, they just shouldn't have happened. And, and so a lot of that starts at the federal level and it carries all the way down to to the local. Well, another new development in the waning days of 2020 uh, was not so encouraging, not so heartening, and that was the emergence of these new mutations. And, you know, as was probably inevitable, their spread. Uh, we've now got a, a coronavirus mutation uh, discovered in Southern California just recently. Um, how concerned should we be about these new mutations in the new year? Um, and and what's, uh, what's being done about them, if anything? So there's not really anything that can be done about them. Well, I guess I shouldn't say nothing, but there's there's not a lot. I mean, I, part of the concern is is as you pointed out, you know, that that these probably are already spreading um, in the United States. We have, you know, officially identified only I think two or three cases in the United States. Um, a couple of them in Colorado, and then the one very recently in San Diego County. But all of the people it's been identified in so far were people who had not traveled, they hadn't been anywhere, they hadn't, as far as we know, they, they didn't import this new strain into the United States. They just got it from, you know, regular exposure in the community, which means that it's it's circulating, it's here. 
Um, even just this week, you know, uh, Dr. Colfax, the um, the head of the public health department in San Francisco, he had said that, you know, there's a good chance it's already spreading here um, in San Francisco, that it's already, you know, or if not spreading, that it's already here in people. Um, and, and that's probably true for a lot of the country and a lot of the state. That being said, you know, they are trying to limit you know, if, if, if it's not here, they're trying to prevent it from coming here and they are trying to limit the spread. So that was part of the reason for San Francisco extending its travel quarantine uh, mandate. So people coming into San Francisco from outside the Bay Area have to quarantine for 10 days. And they did say specifically that, that you know, they, that is somewhat trying to prevent this new strain from from being kind of seeded in the area. Um, but the level of concern is a little bit difficult to gauge, I'll say. Um, some folks say it's not you know, terribly concerning because this, this strain, even though it's a lot more contagious, is not, um, it doesn't cause more serious disease. It doesn't cause more death. Um, there's no evidence of that. And everything that we can do to fight it is just the same stuff we're already doing, which is sheltering in place, you know, wearing our face coverings, not gathering, all that kind of stuff. So there's kind of not a lot we can do in that sense. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can kind of prevent this thing from from moving around too much just by doing the same things we're always doing. And also, it seems like the vaccine will probably the vaccine should be effective against it. Nobody has really expressed any concern that that's going to be a problem, that the strain will will be resistant to the vaccine. I will say that there is, you know, I talk to people more and more kind of hinting that they are concerned that this strain is so contagious that it could kind of you know, make this bad surge, already bad surge, make it even worse, that it could just kind of make it spiral that much faster. And that's, that is really concerning, especially in places like Southern California that are already experienced, experiencing such dramatic kind of, you know, daily caseloads, um, deaths, and that are really feeling the pressure on, on their hospitals down there. So I think it's, it's, definitely something to be concerned about. Um, there's just not a whole lot we can do about it other than, you know, it just it remind people to, to do what they should be doing anyway. We'll be right back to talk more with Chronicle staff writer Aaron Alday after this. You can support Fifth in Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. So, Aaron, in the U.S. at least, it seemed like the federal government's lack of a centralized response to this pandemic was really the backdrop of so much. So we've got a new administration coming in. What do you think is going to change under President Joe Biden? Well, I think from the start, we're going to see a lot more of that kind of centralized leadership you're talking about, because you're right, that's, that's been one of the big issues. I mean, there have been, there've been a lot of complaints about uh, how President Trump and his administration has handled this pandemic. But one of the big ones I hear repeatedly is just that that kind of lack of leadership, you know, having somebody stand up and say, this is serious. This is what we're all going to we're all going to kind of rally together and handle it. Um, in, in kind of one centralized way. So at the very least, that will be kind of, I think, right from the start, we'll get that kind of leadership from the Biden administration. Um, you know, I mean, he's talked about doing, you know, a hundred day sort of mask mandate. Um, I don't think he has an actual sort of, he can't actually mandate it, but he would, you know, encourage everybody to wear, you know, face coverings for a hundred days straight um, and kind of get the governors on board. Um, you know, I mean, in a way, we're already seeing a shift in in how how this is going to play out. Um, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, which ordinarily would be kind of leading the public charge of how the federal government handles this pandemic, was really pushed aside by the Trump administration. Um, and already just since the election, since November, we've seen the CDC sort of resume that role again. They've had 
I think like four or five um, media briefings in just the last couple of months after not doing anything like that, being completely silent, silent for something like eight months of the pandemic, which was just, I mean, I can't express the level of, of insane that was that the CDC was just completely absent from the picture, but now they're definitely speaking up again. They're putting out kind of more information. They seem to be kind of guiding the conversation a lot more. Um, and so I think right there shows kind of gives, gives us a taste of what what might change once uh, once Biden takes office in January. So, again, getting getting out that crystal ball, Aaron, if you would, what are some of the big milestones that we should be looking for in 2021? Start with the first six weeks and then tell us about what we should be looking for in the first six months of the new year. So the big, you know, obvious milestone in the first six weeks is we really want to just see this current surge settle down. (laughs) Um, I think everybody is going to be just really keeping a close eye on the case numbers and the the um, hospital numbers and ICU numbers and all of that. And, you know, we just want to see that peak. We want to see that we've reached kind of the worst of it um, and that we're starting to kind of come down. And so that will be sort of the first benchmark we look for. And then, you know, hopefully we'll be back in that place that we were in the fall where we kind of are able to start opening things up again, letting people kind of go about their lives a little more. Um, that's going to be, I think, really thrilling for people after this long kind of awful winter that we've been been dealing with for so long. Um, you know, another key benchmark might be the schools reopening. Um, Governor Newsom talked a lot about that um, this week about, you know, that the state is sort of finally doing this big push to get schools reopened in the spring. So I think, you know, we're all hoping that we'll see more of that. Probably not quite in the in the next six weeks. Um, so I should probably lump that in the in the six in the six month um, guesswork um, crystal ball. But um, but that's definitely something that we're all going to be looking for. Um, but yeah, kind of in that short term, we're definitely going to be wanting to see an end of the surge and then also see you know that that vaccination kind of pick up, um, especially if we see kind of that next group of people, the the folks at seventy five and older, the essential workers. Um, I think that's going to be that that next vaccination step is going to be a real um, marker for what we might expect with the larger vaccination effort, because so far, you know, it's been just hospital workers um, and, and nursing home residents and staff, really. And those are kind of easy target groups in the sense that they're I mean, hospital workers work in hospitals. You give the vaccine to people who are already at the hospital. Right. Like that's kind of should be fairly easy to do. Um, but vaccinating sort of more public at large is going to be even more complex. And I think that that's going to be a big thing to follow in the next um, probably six to eight weeks to see how that plays out. That'll give us a good sense of how we're going to handle the rest of this huge immunization campaign through the rest of the year. And then for six months, it's just, you know, I'm really curious to see where we're going to be in the summer as far as that immunization. Um, You know, are we going to be anywhere close to having enough people um, vaccinated that we might be kind of, you know, touching upon herd immunity. Um, I don't think anybody really thinks we'll be there at that point within six months, but, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll start getting that, that vaccine available and to, to people who are just, you know, regular folks, you and me, um, you know, younger people, uh, college students, those kind of folks, if we can start having this, this be widely available six months out, I think that would be a really, really positive sign. To what extent, if at all, are, are health experts concerned about people who resist getting the vaccine? I mean, it is such an enormous effort to, I mean, as you mentioned at the top of this show, not just to develop the vaccine and start getting it into people, but I mean, to the extent to which, you know, this sort of broad-based immunization is necessary for us to start to get back to normal, 
And knowing that there were only pockets of people who might be resistant, I, I guess I'm, my, my question is how big those pockets might be. And to the, the extent to which people who resist getting the vaccine for whatever reason, uh, you know, pose a threat to to this kind of return to normalcy that, that we're all looking forward to in 2021. I think it's, you know, it's a big factor. Um, and I think it's sort of, I hate to say it this way, but it, it remains to be seen. I know I'm supposed to be prognosticating here, but um, but that's something that we just... We kind of don't know. And on the one hand, there's a lot of hope because the truth is that like real kind of vaccine deniers, people who are just hardcore, refuse to get vaccinated, they are a pretty small you know, minority. That's not that many people. And if it was just those folks, I wouldn't necessarily be too worried. I'd be worried for those individuals. And and since they tend to kind of stick to communities together, I'd be worried about their communities, but not necessarily about reaching herd immunity. The problem is that, you know, we have a lot of people who are just sort of vaccine hesitant. Um, They're just sort of not sure about this. I mean, we have terrible uptake on the flu vaccine every year. Um, and that's just kind of regular people who sometimes it's just, you know, they're busy. They just kind of have other things to do and they just don't think about it. But some of them are just don't feel like they need it. They don't feel like they want it. And they just kind of choose not to. So I think there's kind of this middle ground that that we don't quite know what the uptake is going to be. And the problem is that they're going to be key because we need to get a pretty high percentage of people vaccinated to reach that kind of key herd immunity. Um, for a long time, there was that talk of it being about 60% to 70%. Lately, some federal officials, including Dr. Fauci, um, have been saying that could be closer to 80%. Um, and that's not you know, a small number to reach. Um, and it doesn't take that many people deciding, you know, they're just not interested to to start kind of impacting that that goal. Well, last to, last questions for you, Aaron. Tell me about one thing you're optimistic about in the new year, one thing you're you're hopeful for or are looking forward to when it comes to, you know, hopefully this this pandemic receding. But also do tell me about one thing that's still keeping you up at night about the new year. I think, well, you know, as, as much as I just kind of went on about, you know, the, the concerns about vaccine uptake, I will say I feel, I do feel optimistic about it on the whole. I feel really optimistic about these vaccines in general. I think they're they're fantastic vaccines. I'm I'm ex- optimistic to get my vaccine. I mean, I'm super excited about it. I was talking with my dad last week and he's in that 75 and up group and he was like, I, I want to get it now. Like, I where, where can I where can I get this? Like, he's really excited. So I think that's something that I just feel really good about. Um, and I do think that, you know, we'll get a large group of people and, you know, we'll probably have pretty good uptick here in the Bay Area, certainly in California. And so we may, you know, I think even if we have trouble reaching that herd immunity, I think we'll get enough people vaccinated this, you know, in 2021 that it'll make a difference. We're not going to see a surge like what we're dealing with now. It's going to have an impact on this pandemic. And so I'm really excited about that. Um I mean, I don't, this isn't a very satisfying answer, but the thing that keeps me up at night is just this pandemic has been so, um, it just, it's so unpredictable. (laughs) I mean, I feel like it's constantly throwing things at us that we just couldn't even anticipate. And that's the kind of stuff that just, um, you know, as a journalist, as a person, I just kind of, I'm like, oh my God, what is 2021 going to bring? Like, what more can this <laughs> pandemic throw at us? And the thing is, it's like, I can't even imagine what it is because every time I try to think about it, this 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 virus and this, this pandemic surprises me. Um, so I don't even know. I guess it's like the fear of fear itself kind of situation. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, um, that's that's the stuff that kind of stresses me out. And I think about you know, not to make this all about me, but, you know, we're finishing 2020 and I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> like, I'm tired. 
record <laughs> of writing all these stories and doing all this. And I'm thinking like, oh, it would be nice to get a little break. And it's like, I don't know when that comes. You know, it's going to be, I think, just total chaos, total mayhem for quite a long time to come. And so that's, you know, that definitely sits on me. <laughs> Well, Aaron, my, my opinion counts for nothing, but I certainly think you've earned a break, but we're all very grateful for your continued coverage of this. Thank you, Dom. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us on Fifth Admission today. Thanks for having me again, Dom. And again, happy 2021. Happy freaking 2021. Our thanks again to Chronicle Health writer Aaron Alday for joining us today, to Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and of course, thanks to you for listening. Take care.